It's the Bell News Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer here with Dane Cash, and we are in a bar at the Heavenly Ski Resort here on the banks of Lake Tahoe. If you have ever skied at Heavenly and been in the bar, the one with a large grizzly bear. Look no, at that grizzly. Look at your grizzly bear. No booze being served at the moment, but the grizzly bear almost makes up for that. I'd say it is a terrifying grizzly bear, and yeah. we're here for the uh, finish of stage six of the Amgen Tour of California, which we just watched. Dane, we saw Egan Bernal put on a clinic. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty impressive day of climbing. Yeah, it was a long day of climbing. They pretty much just went up from the gun. No single climb that was super challenging, but they climbed from almost sea level to, you know, many thousand feet above sea level. And the I think the grind of the day really put Bernal into a good position to win. Yeah, and so we all had our eyes on this stage six because, well, a lot has happened since we last tuned in with you guys. You know, Egan Bernal took the lead of this race Stage two, the summit finish at Gibraltar Road, but then he lost it because our compatriot, TJ Van Gardner and Team BMC, blazed to an incredibly fast individual time trial on stage four in Morgan Hill. And he did what, uh, something I didn't think was possible. He overcame like over a minute deficit to take the jersey back. Yeah. And that set the stage up for today. It's stage six, monster climbing day to Lake Tahoe and Heavenly Ski Resort with the Big Stuff Bear. So, Dane, what what happened today? Take us to the race report. Yeah, so a pretty pretty nice breakaway got away early on in the day. A handful of guys, eight or nine guys up the road, some some solid names in there. They got a little bit of, of, uh, of a gap, but BMC and Sky made sure that they didn't last out there for all that long. They were kind of swept up on the slopes of this kind of run into the Tahoe finale. And uh, once they got onto the penultimate climb, uh, you saw Sky just setting this really, really strong pace. And BMC had three or four guys up there, and then they had two guys, and then they had one, and then it was just down to TJ. And so there was a point where there were three or four Sky Riders, Bernal and, and Teo Gegenhardt are both in the top five of the GC at this point, by the way and an isolated T.J. Van Garderen. So it was becoming pretty clear that T.J. was going to have to fend off the attacks of everybody behind him on the GC all by himself. And Sky, I have to say, they played it really well. They had some, some pretty solid tactics today. You saw a moment where Egan Bernal is sitting behind Teo Gegenhardt. He kind of swings off to one side of the road with Van Garderen on his wheel. And uh, once they were about five feet away from Teo Gegenhardt, then Gegenhardt kind of put in an attack, and at that point, TJ was a little bit too far away to jump in his wheel. So that put a lot of pressure on TJ because Gegenhardt is not so far down on GC that he can just, you know, be ignored. So TJ has to kind of do some chasing, gets worn out a little bit, no teammates around to help him, and then that's when Bernal delivered the the killing blow. And and he went from a pretty a pretty far ways out because there there are two climbs kind of end the stage there's the penultimate climb which is the really long one and that then is the descent the, uh, climb up kingsbury ridge road uh kingsbury grade road grade, I think. rather yeah, yeah. which long punishing rocky mountain style never really steep but just yeah. grinding climb. yeah and they've been climbing all day to this point so after the top of that climb, there's a descent and then another climb that's like less than 2K into the finish, which is not long enough, that, that just that last finishing climb, to, I think, have a big impact. So Bernal knew he had to go on the penultimate climb to get enough of a gap. 
And that's exactly what he did. And he got quite a hefty gap going over that penultimate climb. Uh, you know, TJ, he didn't blow up. It wasn't like he got shelled and dropped out of a group of uh, favorites. But he, he, and Simon, or he and Adam Yates and uh, Anteo Gegenhard and Rafael Micah, a, a group of riders, just kind of couldn't come close to bringing Egon Bernal back. So in the lead up to this stage, Dane, we had a round table the other day, and I asked the question, do we think TJ can hold it? You know, he was nursing a 23 second gap on Egan Bernal. We knew that coming into the stage, there were 10 seconds of a time bonus up for grabs for whoever won the stage. So it was gonna be pretty tight. Now you said no, you thought Egan Bernal was going to be able to take the jersey. I said I thought TJ was going to be able to keep it. Here's what I said. You, you, you were proven right. I was completely wrong. For the listeners, take note. Fred Dreyer, totally wrong. Bad takes. Uh, my take was that I thought TJ could hold it because this long climb of Kingsbury grade is the type of long, punishing Rocky Mountain climbs that TJ is used to. You know, TJ, we've seen him suffer on steep Euro-style, you know, skinny road climbs. But the stuff that Kingsbury Ridge really reminded me of is like the Front Range Colorado, you know, climbing for 20 miles up some canyon. And never really steep, but still a solid 6% and at altitude. So I thought TJ was gonna have a little bit more in him, but the fact that Bernal was able to get that gap, I mean, I think it says more about Bernal than it does That's about exactly TJ. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I, I don't, I mean, it's not like TJ was looking bad out there. He was climbing around the same, you know, pace with Adam Yates, who's a guy who's been even higher the Tour de France than TJ ever has. You know, Raphael Micah, another, I mean, two-time King of the Mountains of Tour de France. It's not like TJ was looking awful out there. It's just that Bernal was on another level, maybe on a, a two more levels than the rest of the guys out there. He was just way stronger on this kind of climb. And I think he, too, is well-suited to this finish because he's a guy who grew up at altitude. And, and you know, Gibraltar Road is not altitude. So the stage that he was already looking great in this race, that's not even... You know, him at his very best. This this kind of climb, I think, suits him quite well, and I think we saw today why so many people are so excited about Egon Bernal. So we have some perspective and some thoughts from Egon Bernal himself. We have some audio from him at the press conference. English is not his first language, so bear in mind he's sharing his thoughts. It's not the most uh, crisp English, but here he is talking about why he went, the, the why he decided to go at that very moment. Yeah, today was a mean day, uh, but I, I felt so good. And in the last long climb, uh, the team did a really good job. Uh, they make a really hard piece, and then I, I just tried. Uh, and I, I was alone. And, uh, but was was difficult because uh, after the after this climb, we're like 10 kilometers to, to arrive. So I was uh, I just keep pushing up. And yeah, but I'm happy with the result and also I'm happy for the team. So yeah, like you could see, you like you said, Dane, um, you could see that like Gegenhardt had made a move, Egan Bernal. Um, saw that TJ was uh, isolated and decided to go. Interesting, he said that that wasn't necessarily what they had planned the night before. The, the plan 
um, at the team buses this morning was very broad. It was just sort of a, let's make it really hard on Kingsbury grade <clears throat> and see what happens. Yeah. And so I guess we saw what happened. Yeah, I was surprised at the lack of team support for TJ Van Garderen, to be honest. I think with Brent Bookwalter here, with a couple of other guys here, I, I expected one or two more climbers to be by his side. And he, I would have imagined they were totally ready for what was going to happen today. It was no surprise that Teo Gegenhardt and Egan Bernal were going to ride hard on that climb. The fact that TJ was all by himself, that makes it a whole lot harder. And I think with no team support and against a guy like Bernal, he was kind of doomed. Yeah, I mean, I think that they sent a lot of their best support riders to the Giro this month to help Rowan Dennis try to have a good GC ride. I mean, it wasn't exactly Scrubs here. You know, Mickey Shar is yeah. here. He's a class rider. Uh, Book Walter is here. He's another class rider. But yeah, you don't, they, they didn't have a Teo Gegenhardt. No. You know, only Sky had a Teo Gegenhardt. And you know, Teo Gegenhardt, to me, uh, as much as Egan Bernal is a revelation of this race, to me, Teo Kagenhart was a revelation of this race because I think he actually could have won this race. Was, I think he was the second strongest guy here. Yeah, it was really impressive the way that he was able to finish as well as he did, despite very clearly working for Bernal on two very hard mountain stages. On Gibraltar Road, he was hitting it at the front, putting in a lot of watts at the front to help Bernal. And then he kind of hung around and still managed to finish up there. And then again today, he put in an attack that was very clearly an attack to help Egon Bernal. And then he didn't just fall off the back of the peloton. I mean, he hung around. And, and so that's almost maybe more effort required to do that than was required for Bernal to win stages. Because Gegenhardt's basically working double duty. You know what else I like about Teo Gegenhardt? He's not afraid to, like, chow down on some oh, yeah. food in the uh, press conferences. Yeah. Well, you got to get those calories back yeah. somehow. So he, He's like the guy that walks into the press conference, like a big old plate of Chinese food, and yeah. he's just, like, going at it. Uh, so I caught up with Teo Gegenhardt after the stage. Um, <laughs> we were about to do the interview. He's like, wait, mate, what outlet are you from? And I'm like, Velo News. And he says, oh, I can't talk to Velo News. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, teams told me we can't talk to Velo News. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, I'm busting your balls. Come on. <laughs> he's got a sense of humor. Got a oh. sense of humor, too. Uh, anyway... He talked about uh, his strategy for the day and also the move that set up Egan Bernal. Let's have a listen in. And I think it was Seb really who yeah, put everyone behind on the limits and big names were getting dropped. And then I started to ride and immediately everyone dropped off my wheel. So Egan said for me to go. So I started going. Yates started coming across. Um, so obviously I couldn't take him up the road, so I just followed him and then Egan and TJ came and I knew that was the moment to just really consolidate the pressure we'd already put on him. Uh, it was isolated and yeah, I kind of pressed on for a minute or two and then Egan attacked and yeah, in hindsight actually I should have gone with him, uh, but I didn't know, you know, you never know how it's going to play out and in the moment the main main priority is always you know not to to take anyone a meter further than then they're going to go alone so yeah just sat on him to the top of the climb uh, yatesy came back to us he jumped 500 to go i just followed him i just followed 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 until the line i wanted to take second would have been really nice to have a one two but I just didn't want to, you know, give one second to anyone. I, I knew Egan had a big gap, but you still never know how much, and every second counts, and you still have one day left to race, so. I just waited till I saw about 400 to go. Uh, it was Brandon and Yatesy up the road, and then I just jumped, and yeah, it was five meters from catching Yatesy, but it makes no difference. Uh, what was the strategy coming in for today? Was it 
had to wait to go on that climb. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, we had to make it hard before, which we did. Uh, and then, yeah, the goal was to win. And if I finished 100 or 100, whatever many guys there is here on GC or or wherever, it didn't matter because the main and only goal was to get the yellow jersey. So that's why I had to commit to. And yeah, we managed to do it. So it's super. I think one of the lessons that I'm going to come away from this year's. MG Tour California with is that Sky has young cards to play. You know, we've been talking all month about the Chris Froome era maybe coming to an end, but Sky seem to have some really young stars coming up through the ranks. Uh, Namlin Egan Bernal and Teo Gegenhart, and uh, we're going to be watching to see what those guys can do. Yeah, they kind of have to, I think, and it's not just because of Chris Froome. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Garrett Thomas maybe filling the Chris Froome shoes if there is a band. Yeah, that's Garrett, not happening. Garrett Thomas is not a young guy, you know, and, and for all the talent that he has, he's not like he's 26 or something like that. He's over 30. He's got some good years left, I think, but it's not like Sky's going to be looking to Gary Thomas to lead them in two or three years, I wouldn't think. So other than the battle for the GC, um, what are you going to remember about this year's Amgen Tour of California? Uh, I, I'm going to remember Brandon McNulty with a really strong ride all throughout. And, you know, he's had some difficulties here and there, but he seemed to really bounce back from those, which is impressive. And he's so young that for him to end up in the top 10 in a race where there's a lot of Grand Tour type talents here. TJ, obviously, Egan Bernal one day, I think. And then, of course, Rafael Micah, Adam Yates, and some of these other riders. For Brandon McNulty to be up there fighting with them and to be up there fighting with them after having some frustrating things like that time trial. He had a mechanical and, and you know, lost some time because of that. And he didn't really seem to, I don't know, it's, he wasn't demoralized from any of those things. And that's, a, that's important when you're like a 20-year-old rider to youthful, already be. Youthful exuberance, Dane. Yeah. yeah. Some, some youths, I think, can occasionally get a little too down when they don't have the success that they seek. And McNulty seems to have a good head on his shoulders. You know. Yeah, I think we are going to be talking about Brandon McNulty for years to come, alongside uh, Egan Bernal and Teo Gegenhardt. It'll be interesting to, like, I don't know, catch up with these guys five yeah. years down the road and be like, hey, remember that uh, 2018 Amgen Tour of California where you guys are the big stars and now you're, I don't know, just crushing people in yeah. the Tour de France? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to remember those storylines. I'm going to remember Fernando Gaviria, um, you know, really showing everybody who is boss of the World Tour Sprints. Um, I talked to some people after stage five about the dynamics in the sprint and um, Baji Vila from uh, Bora Hasgro said he thinks that the... It's harder to win a stage now at the Amgen Tour of California, a sprint stage, than it is to win the overall. He was just like, look, there's only two guys missing from the sprint lineup here, whereas the overall, it's, you know, it's strong, but it's yeah. not exactly like the best, best, best guys in the world. Maybe that's why Peter Sagan hasn't won a stage yet, six stages into the Amgen. Of course, he could win the seventh stage, so True. we should be careful saying this as we're recording after the sixth stage, but as of yet... Still no stage win yet. Yeah, it's true. Uh, this Tour of California may be remembered as the first ever where Peter Sagan participated and didn't win a stage. Yeah. And we all we got were dazzling wheelies and yeah. weird photos. Which is worth and, something. Uh, but him giving cryptic um, comments to us yeah. in, the, in the press conference. Yeah, which is what typically happens. Yeah. It's nothing surprising. So, yeah. Uh, it was a good race. You know, there's also the women's race going on. And Dane, let's bring on our correspondent, Rebecca Reza, have a conversation about what went on in the women's race today. Rebecca, you're out here at the Tour of California covering the women's race. You know, today, what Katie Hall put on a clinic of climbing. Take us through the day. What happened? 
Well, you know, it was her race to lose today. I mean, she was the overall favorite, of course, coming into stage two. Um, but, you know, basically the the stage was pretty straightforward for the first half. You know, there was, there was a small break that went in the beginning, but everybody was waiting for the final climb. It was all about that cat one climb. And once, as soon as they hit the, the bottom of the climb, it's just attacks started happening. And uh, the race just blew up. And right away, Astana took, uh, took over the lead. Actually, B-Pink was a surprise. They, they took over the chase to bring back the break. The break, I think, had about two minute gap at the, at the height of it. And they chased it back, they brought it back, which is surprising that UHC and, and USA national team um, kind of conserved their energy, but they brought it back and then Astana took over, blew up the field and it, it got down to like about a 25 rider uh, peloton and, and we, everyone was just waiting. When, when is Katie gonna go? When is Katie gonna go? And, and, and then Taylor Wiles from Trek Drops surprised us all. I mean, we know that she's capable of that. We, we've seen her do well last year in Colorado. She's been overseas this season. We haven't really uh, seen her a lot, you know, heard about her a lot this season. So it was great to see her. She had an incredible ride today. Um, but unfortunately, in the end, couldn't match Katie's explosive, you know, power on the, on the final climb into the finish. So, yeah, it seems like Katie really got that gap on this last sort of 1.5K kick to the finish. It was pretty steep. Um, you know, did, did you talk to Katie after the stage? What, uh, what kind of stuff? did she have to say? Well, you know, there were a few things. She she was really happy to have Taylor Wiles with her. As as we know, she, Taylor and her were teammates for quite a while at UHC. So they knew their weaks and strengths, uh, weaknesses and strengths. And so she was saying, you know, I'm, I was glad to have uh, Taylor with me on the descent and on the flats because I knew she was strong. But she knew that she would not be able to match her, uh, her in the final climb. So she said, you know, it, it helped me. But one thing she was surprised about was Megan uh, Guarnier, and she got dropped pretty early in the climb, so she was surprised about that. She knew that Megan hadn't been at altitude, so that probably was a factor in her not being able to uh, you know, match the speed or stay in front, not get dropped, but that was something that Katie mentioned that she was pretty surprised at, but obviously very happy with the outcome. Dane, you caught up with Megan Guarnier after the race. What, what did she have to say? Yeah, Megan was pretty bummed, I think, with the way the day played out. She was not happy with her ride. Uh, she you know, came across the finish line and she was she looked pretty beat. I mean, she stayed on the ground for quite a while. I think she was kind of cramping up a little bit and just looked like she had a rough day out there. Uh, she said that you know she's been riding basically since the start of the season. She's been over in Europe mostly, and I think she said it's just kind of started to build up and I was too tired and yeah, a lot of things just didn't go her way and so she was she was yeah pretty bummed about it. But she's gonna take a break now, I think, and maybe try to reset for the second half of the season. Yeah, I think the fact that this climb is at altitude played a big factor too. I mean, the top of it, we're talking about like seven, 8,000 feet of altitude. And um, some athletes, if you're not used to it, that just kind of, it kind of hits you pretty hard. So I talked with uh, Kasha Niviadoma afterwards and she was gasping and she just said, oh my gosh, you know, like <laughs> I felt great. And then I felt, it was the same sort of thing. I felt great and then I felt awful. And she really uh, blamed the altitude. You know, she's one of the best climbers in the world. 
and uh, at a certain point just couldn't match the pace. I spoke with her, I spoke with Kasha beforehand because I said, you know, what are your expectations for today? And she said, I have no idea. I've never raced at altitude. I'll see how the legs respond. So yeah, so I'm I'm sure she was expecting that. So Katie Hall, great race. Uh, We caught up with her afterwards to talk about the race, the result, and what it means for her career. Because guys, remember last year, she lost this race by one bonus second. Uh, so she talked about the significance of that. Let's listen to uh, Katie Hall. I wanted to win this race because I'm a California resident and I've, I've loved Tahoe. You know, I've ridden my mountain bike here a bunch, skied a bunch here. It's just a, a place that I really love. Um, I think that one second loss last year really made me think about my weaknesses on the bike. And so I spent a lot of time in the off season really working on my top end, working on my strength to, to be a little bit more well-rounded of a cyclist but I feel like it's made my climbing better too and so yeah really been thinking about how I can win this race when you looked at today's parkour uh-huh. where did you see the opportunities for yeah. Katie Hall where did you want yeah. to go I'm on Kingsbury grade I like that climb it's uh, actually I think it's not that steep and so it's pretty easy for people to sit on but because it's so long you just slowly wear people down and that's what I did I attacked but I still had six people with me and then just just rode them off my wheel everybody except for Taylor and so yeah that's what a long climb allows gives you enough time to do something like that and so so coming into this final kick to the uh, mm-hmm. summit I mean did you know you had it in there like yeah. what was your what yeah. was going on there take me through that yeah so I was really happy to go over the top with Taylor over the top of Kingsbury grade because I know Taylor is just really good on the descents and really good on the flats she's just really powerful and I was teammates with her last year and I was pretty sure she was invested in us going to the at least the final climb we had a gap on the rest of the riders and and she wanted to keep that gap too so I was happy to have her and working together with her on the descent and the straights but I thought on that final climb I probably had the advantage and so attacked at the bottom of that final climb and got a small gap Knock on wood, everything goes well tomorrow. Yeah, thank you so much. What would a California win uh, mean for your career at this point? It it would be huge. This is really huge because I'm on a domestic team, and this is a world tour event, so this is kind of one of the highest-ranked stage races there is on the calendar, and to win that as not a a European world tour team um, would be really amazing. All right, so wait, Rebecca, you were in the Astana car all day? Yeah, I was. Oh, man. We, uh, well, how, was, how was that experience, first of all? Okay, well, thank God for my Spanish, because they, you know, in a car with Italians, uh, you know, it was really funny, but they were car number 14. So in the beginning, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be way in the back. I'm not going to miss the action and whatnot. But they ended up animating the race coming into the final climb. They have two climbers, um, Carolina Rodriguez from Mexico, um, as well as Liliana Moreno from Colombia. Both two very good climbers, strong. However, it's their first race of the season. Mm. So they had no idea how they were going to react, how they were going to be on the climb. And Carolina ended up being extremely well. But all three of well, they also had um, Sofia Berta Solo, Berta Solo, if I can pronounce that correctly, um, going into the final climb, they blew up the peloton. Like, they completely shattered. I mean, big names were coming off the back, like Ali Dragu and, and, you know, and Megan, of course. Uh, and so they really drove the pace for the first half of the climb and really, I think, set up uh, Katie and Taylor to, to get those final attacks in the final. 
uh, kilometers. I mean, were you worried that maybe you might drive over uh, <laughs> something or be a little like uh, Fast and Furious chasing? Referring, of course, to uh, what was the tour of Yorkshire where the poor Astana car drove, almost yeah, drove over a Almost hit a dude who was trying to signal where to go. Yeah. <laughs> and they clearly did not get the message. No. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. we did not have a repeat of that. No, none of that here. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Well, um, let's go around and say what, you know, what, what are the memories you're going to have from this year's race? By the time the listeners listen to this, the race will likely have been over. What, um, we'll start with you, Rebecca. What are you going to remember from this year's Tour California? Well, I think from the women's race, I'm going to just want, so happy for Katie Hall. And she's gotten so close, obviously, with one second uh, to finally, you know, nab her first world tour victory. Uh, you know, that's just great. What you did. Yeah, Kendall Ryan went in the first stage was a bit of a surprise. She shocked some big names. I mean, Corinne Rivera's here, and I think some people expected Rivera to run away with that sprint. Uh, so for Kendall Ryan to be up there and, and win, you know, convincingly, it was a clear win. So that's a pretty big result for her uh, and, and a, a good result to build on. If you're an American rider and you win a stage at the Tour of California, that's a big deal. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I think that uh, Kendall Ryan was very surprising. I think we all thought Corinne was going to win yesterday. I was, I'm going to remember seeing Corinne Rivera on the, in the breakaway today. Yeah, that yeah. was cool. Corinne yeah. Rivera cool. just, you know, she could have, I don't know, tucked her tail between her legs after losing yesterday's sprint and just kind of stayed in the pack. But she didn't. She struck out on her own, um, put those climbing legs to the test, and uh, climbed away for a good chunk of the stage. You know, she eventually was caught, but uh, she made a go of it. Probably going to be involved in the sprint tomorrow. tomorrow so for her to for want sure. to do that, I mean, that's yeah, that <laughs> takes some, that takes some gall. Well, you know, her, Wally Rivera is here. Her dad with the big yeah, RV. Her dad has the sweetest RV in the <laughs> team bus parking lot. It's the biggest and probably best team vehicle around. Yeah, it's true. Like actually, the the Rivera family RV is nicer than most world tour. Oh team yeah, buses. a lot of the world tour teams have some pretty weak four winds, like mini RVs here. <laughs> And the Rivera RV puts them to shame. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to remember Egan Bernal. We're going to remember Katie Hall. And we'll remember uh, Wally Rivera's RV. Heck yeah. That's yeah. a 2018 Amden <laughs> Tour in California. Yeah. All right, Dave, before we get out of here, we need to talk about the Giro d'Italia because uh, we are recording this on Friday. Yeah. Saturday is the big Montez uncle on It's stage. a somewhat inopportune time, I think. But yeah. we got to do it. We got to talk Giro. So by the time the listener, the good listeners get to this, the entire GC may have been thrown into total whack by Zonkalan. Uh First of all, a little primer on Zonkalan. It is probably the steepest, toughest climb in the entire world tour. It's it's on par. I think it's comparable to the Angliru, yeah. which uh, the Welta uses all the time. But you know, it is extremely steep and extremely narrow. When I think of the Monte Zoncalan, I think of like imagine a glorified sidewalk, just kind of winding its way up a steep hillside through the woods up to a ski area, and that is what you race up. And packed with crazy tifosi who may or may not push you off your bicycle, which has happened before to Francesco Bongiorno a couple of years ago. Yeah, poor Bongiorno. Yeah, that was, that was it pretty much. I mean, that was his shot at like a huge career result. Yeah, Mick Rogers, uh, it was pretty easy for him to win after Bongiorno got yeah, pushed yeah. off of his bicycle. Yeah. So you got to watch out for that. You got to climb. Yeah, it's tough. So we've seen a number of the best climbers win on Zonkalan. I believe Gilberto Simoni 
won here. Um, Nairo Quintana did not win here, but he solidified his lead in the 2014 Giro d'Italia. And then we saw actually a really good GC battle here between Cadell Evans and Ivan Basso one year when I thought Cadell Evans was going to take down Ivan Basso, but it wasn't meant to be. But that storyline that we've been talking about of how many seconds does Simon Yates, Simon Yates need over Tom Dumoulin for that final time trial? And I think the consensus is mm, basically like a minute 20. Maybe a minute 30? Yeah, I think he needs like two. Uh, mm. Total, total, yeah. you know, at, at least. Uh, and, you know, honestly, that's the really cool thing about when you put a long time trial later in a race. You kind of force the climbers into attacking on a stage like Zonkalan because they know they have to do it because the guys like Tom Dumoulin are going to creep back into the GC conversation. So you put a late time trial and you kind of guarantee some action on Zonkalan. Although, it should be noted, this climb is so hard that a lot of times there's like less action because guys are just dying out there and they don't even have the energy to put in a big attack. It's more just a race of attrition on this sort of climb. Yeah, it turns into an individual time trial at some point. Um, I think something else we need to talk about is Chris Froome. You know, Chris Froome has lost more time. He is now uh, pretty far back in the GC. He's currently in 12th place. Three minutes and 20 seconds down. Our dudes over in uh, Italy, that would be Gregor Brown and Andrew Hood, caught up with Chris Froome. They have a little audio grab with him. Let's see what he has to say about what's going on in the Giro. Tomorrow, Chris, uh, Zoukalan, big day. Uh, what's, what's kind of your approach to tomorrow in terms of your expectations and your mood? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm obviously hoping for, for better than, than I've had uh, so far in the race on, on the climbs. Um, I mean, I, I am, have been feeling better and better as the race has gone on and uh, less impact from the injuries I, I had before the race. Um, so we'll see. I mean, tomorrow is obviously a very decisive stage. Uh, brutal final up, uh, up Zonkalan. And I think, I mean, we can definitely expect to see some pretty big gaps on the GC tomorrow, uh, one way or another. You previewed it in April. How will that preview help you tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good to have, have in your mind what's coming up and to know exactly what you're up against. Um, the last time I, I rode the climb was over eight years ago, so um, it'd be, it, it was really, it's really good to have that sort of uh, mentally now. I, I know what I'm up against and uh, I'll be able to picture different, different parts of the climb and when, when to push on and know, knowing when to push on, when not to, be really important. Um, and also knowing, knowing the stage before the final climb tomorrow because it's, uh, it's a tough little stage tomorrow. You've done the cycling, the cycling to other hard climbs. How, do, how does it stack up? Is this the worst cy- uh, climb in cycling, or? Um, I think it's 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 up there. It's up there. Um, I mean, obviously the the Angliru, uh, in the Vuelta uh, sticks out as a, a similar kind of climb, but this is this is more consistently steep, whereas Angliru feels steeper, but it's in ramps. Um, Different, different kind of, uh, different kind of efforts, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm motivated, and uh, be interesting to see what uh, a lot of the other GC guys want to do tomorrow. I think everyone's obviously looking at Tom at the moment. Uh, Tom's, Tom's, the virtual leader uh, with the time trial uh, to come. So I think a lot of people want to try and get time on him still. And I imagine uh, Simon. Simon will be looking to do just that. You're not a bad time trialist yourself. 
I've been known to do a time trial from now, <laughs> from time to time, so I'll you give it a, you I'll give it a go. As well, I mean, you are in the middle between I've, those two. I've been known to climb from time to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, so anyway, Dane, this, you know, if Salmon Yates is to win, this uh, continues the Giro d'Italia's tradition as sort of the Grand Tour where new Grand Tour winners are born. Yeah. So Tom Dumoulin, Nairo Quintana, and now potentially uh, Simon Yates. Yeah, I think he's shown in the last couple of years that he has what it takes to be up there. But there's a big difference between being up there and winning. And winning a Grand Tour requires staying upright, you know, requires staying safe on the flat stages. We know he can climb, but being able to stay in the pink jersey this long, it takes a little bit more. And so I think it's a, it's a big step forward mm -hmm. for him. You know what I'm thinking of for a step forward, Dane? We're sitting here in this bar with this big giant bear in front of us. There's actually a stuffed magpie next to it too. It's a very pleasant outdoor scene. Uh, but we're at a bar. I kind of want a beer. Yeah? Yeah. Let's hit up. I think it's time. All right. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Velo Podcast. We will see you next week. All right, Dan. Let's go get some suds. Yeah.